conversations with a friend that I wish could never end. That are just a door that opens to an endless sky. So we open our eyes and write the dead writer's talk. Welcome back to another episode of the Dead Writers Talk. I'm your host, Jess, and thanks for joining me. We have once again reached the end of another season. This episode will be the season finale of season three. And today, we've got even more frequently asked questions about writing that we'll be answering for you. I'd like to welcome my guests for this episode, Simone and Dominique. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Now everyone's kind of already aware of who you are Simone so welcome back hi hi (laughs) (laughs) uh but Dominique you are a new voice on the podcast so why don't you kind of like introduce yourself a little bit hey um hi I'm Dominique I'm the head of marketing at the Dead Writers Talk um Honestly, I don't really know what else to say other than that. <laughs> we'll take uh, it. We'll take it. <laughs> um, so today we are gathered here to answer those lovely burning questions about writing again. Simone, I don't like it when you make faces at what I say. <laughs> it's so fun, but also not fun. Um <laughs> So, yes, we will be answering frequently asked questions about writing. We have once again gathered questions from the Internet. And we also put out on our social media what feels like eight million years ago, what questions you guys had. Um, So those questions are in this episode. So, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get to them. Um, But we're going to start off with some questions from the Internet. And our first question would be. How to get out of writer's block? I'd like to know. <laughs> I'd, also... I'd love to know the answer to that I'd one. To <laughs> or I guess, what do we each do to maybe get out of writer's yeah, block? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just let myself sit and stew in it and don't write for like two months, and then I'll crank out about 20,000 words in a week. I do the same thing. (laughs) It's like you get that like burst of creativity just all at once, and then after that, it's just like gone, and you don't know where it all went. Yeah, and I used to feel like really guilty about that, but now I'm like, if that's how I write, and if that's how I make words, and it takes me that long to recharge, that's kind of fine. And it's not like I'm not ever writing in that you know dry spell. I write every now and then, but it's not. Twenty thousand words all of a sudden. <laughs> it's more like two hundred words every couple of days, and that's still fine. Mm-hmm. That's still a good number too. But like, a lot of it just comes from like whatever I find like inspiration from. Because like, you can get inspiration to like write something out of like the most random things, like songs or even just like something you'll see in like a TV show or something like that. Yeah, I'm kind of along the same way. I just, like, wait for it to pass, and it typically just kind of sets in, and that I'm sitting down, I'm like, all right, I'm going to write. And then I get into a sentence, and it takes me, like, ten minutes to write one singular sentence. I'm like, it's not going right now, so we're going to wait till it just does work. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I feel like maybe every, like, professional writing book on how to write I've ever read has always said, like, you have to get into the habit of it. And what we're saying sounds like we're not in the habit of it. So I want to clarify, like, write every day. 
but it doesn't have to be a lot of words. It doesn't have to be the same thing. Keep the habit of writing, but like it doesn't have to be the most prolific, amazing thing ever either. And then at the same time, you don't really want to like force yourself to write because at that point, writing's just going to feel like some kind of job that you're going to have to do. You still want it to be like a hobby and you still want it to be something that you want to you love doing and that you're interested in. I used to have a job where it was my job to write. I got paid to do it. And I was like, this is great. And then about a year later, I went, this is horrible. I haven't written anything for myself ever. And it took me after I left that job about a year to get back into enjoying writing. So yeah, don't force yourself to do it when you don't want to. That's really good advice. Yeah. Honestly, I think that kind of encompasses entirely what writer's block (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone really solidly knows how to like immediately just get out of writer's block it just kind of happens yeah our next question how can I come up with a title for my book I love titling things I also (laughs) love titling things you don't no I think that's the hardest part in my opinion because it's so hard to just like take a whole story and just sum it up into like two or three words that's oh, just, yeah, like it's, it's really hard for yeah. me. <laughs> I, I think one of my favorite things to do is i love when title drops are in a story you know like the characters say the title i think that's totally awesome i think that's a great way to get a title um i think it's important to have working titles. So right now, like my whip is called Project Red. That is not the title. I didn't know the title until about maybe a month ago when I wrote it and went, oh, that's a good title. So have working titles, but also once you you can write a title drop and like be like, oh, that's a cool phrase. That's the title now. Or a common theme, I think, is really good. Uh we have all of these accord of something and something books. You kind of know what you're getting. Like, there's going to be a court and there's going to be shadows and bones. I don't know. Um, I didn't mean to do shadow and bone, but what makes sense? Poor, poor choice. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. <laughs> Maybe just don't stress about it and it'll show up <laughs> when it shows up and you'll be fine. So, because it is, you're right. It is hard to summarize an entire book in three four words that's stressful (laughs) i love titling only because my titles in anything i do you don't understand the title until you finish reading the book and then you're like oh i get it like i anytime i simone's heard a couple of my titles for like little like short fanfic things and i just like to be funny about it and like make people go oh hold on and once you finish actually reading it, that's when you understand like what the title means. And I just it it brings me great joy. And to that end, can we start titling chapters again instead of just doing chapter 12? I love Yay! title. <laughs> okay, that I would uh, that I struggle with. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> Books of like short stories, I got it. Make me chapter like tw- title chapter what? Hold on. Title. 22 chapters of my book it ain't happening (laughs) my brain will not do it (laughs) oh man but now i want to okay i might try it (laughs) it's It's fun fun, though yeah oh 
It's definitely, at least for me, it's more fun if you like title segments than title just a whole entire thing because you have like less ground to cover, I think. Oh. So it's much easier, I think. Absolutely. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to go try title all my chapters. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I'm like, suddenly the challenge is just like, mm, I, 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 I feel like my chapter titles would be along the the same route of like Rick Ward and Percy Jackson titles. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Like that that just that was peak peak just chapter peak titles way. for me. So <laughs> I, might, I might go that route. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, our next question. Does music actually help the flow of writing and concentration? I would say so. Like, like I'm the type of person who, like, can't write or, like, do anything without music. It's such, like, how do I describe it? It brings creativity, and it makes me feel, like, a lot more inspired to do things. So I could write for hours if I had just music on. I was just hanging out. Now, do you do, like, playlists with words in them, like, actual lyrics to songs? Or do you do, like, lo-fi music? Do you do classical? Does it depend? It depends on the... It depends on whatever I'm feeling. If it is with lyrics, though, it's normally like slower songs that like have more instrumental than they do like vocals. Either that or I'll go like classical because that's fun. It's just fun to hear. (laughs) Yeah. I've started. um, The only time I will let myself listen to my Project Red playlist is when I am actually writing Project Red. And it helps me like get into the headspace of it and get into the Mm. habit of it a lot. But at the same time, I'm a big lo-fi person or like soundscapes i love doing soundscapes like reading in an ancient library or a tavern or something like i love those (laughs) as well so there just has to be sound Mm -hmm. and also video game scores listen to those because those are specifically engineered to help you focus on a video Mm -hmm. game so it works for writing as well Mm -hmm. i used to not be able to have anything going um and then i (laughs) took two days blasting this like really upbeat like i'm in a fantasy book style playlist (laughs) for two days straight and planned out boom like in my current whip and i was like oh um apparently it does work (laughs) (laughs) um there is merit to that i guess uh and now i do use it when i'm actually like sitting down to write i like put on that same playlist and i'm like all right let's vibe with it and just see Mm -hmm. what happens i mean because maybe for me at least and i hope i'm not crazy but i'm like choreographing stuff in my head to the music for certain scenes if i'm really struggling Mm, with this yeah and so that's why i think it helps us as writers is a lot of us do that i think like physically picture it in our heads and I think going off of that like soundtrack thing that you said, it's kind of like a movie that plays out in your head and there's like a soundtrack mm-hmm. in the background for it. It makes the scenes kind of just like flow a lot nicer. My brain also won't like actually focus on like the actual writing anymore if I don't have music going. Mm-hmm. Like I you would think that's what how I used to do it. It's like I can't have anything happening. I need to just solely focus on what I'm writing. And then my brain would just gone somewhere else so if i have the music going in the background if my brain starts to wander it's going to the music and i can just bring it back to what i'm doing yeah that's a really good way to look at it Mm -hmm. 
Uh, a, can I ask another question <laughs> just for funsies? Yeah, sure. Did you rail us? Um, <laughs> what? This, see, this is my job, Dominique. This is what I do on the podcast. <laughs> Derail. The podcast gets derailed every episode. It's just how it goes. <laughs> um, do we listen to music while we read? No. Really? Yeah, I can't. So uh, opposed to it. It ruins my immersion. <laughs> I'll listen to it, but like normally, like I'm on Spotify, like typing in the title of the book just to see like a playlist come up with it with all the songs that are just like related to that book. So I did that for um, what's it called, Song of Achilles, and it oh, was that just was like probably this, devastating. It was so bad, no. it was <laughs> but it was it would definitely help the experience. And I was just sitting there at the end, just like absolutely crying my eyes out. So my reading experience is really different in that, like, most of the time, if I get really, really into the book, it's not like I'm reading it. It's like I'm living it. So if there's anything going on in the background, I'm, I'm yanked out of that world. And I'm like, I am not here for this. I want to live yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. So like you're more not, like. It's not just words on a piece of paper. It's like like an actual, like, I can see it happening kind of like visualization aspect and that's where like music and stuff just like ruins that for me yeah i can see that too that makes sense sorry i was trying to see if there was a playlist for my most recent like favorite book and there is not i am sad so i will now make my own dominique can i tell you about the hippo book yes please do (laughs) so Imagine so back in the day, this is a re- this is a real thing. The U.S. government back in like the 1800s ish was like, "Hey, while we're settling the Louisiana swamps, what if we imported hippos because they're really good at going through swamps?" Now, if you know anything about hippos, that's a terrible idea. Hippos are mean, <laughs> and unfortunately, also fortunately, the U.S. government did not do that. But Sarah Gailey, the author, went, "But what if they did?" And it had a tiny bit of sci-fi in it just the tiniest bit and uh that is this book river of teeth is a heist series where everyone's riding hippos and there's a bunch of feral hippos but it's on like the louisiana bayou swamps and it's also the gayest thing you'll ever read it's so good it's so good okay i'm fine so chaotic but like if you put it all together i feel like it's novella length so read it in the afternoon it's so good anyways (laughs) <laughs> sounds solid i will add it to my tbr <laughs> i tell everyone i can about it because when i first heard about it i was like that's not a real book and then i went yes i honestly think so you first brought this book up in the queer representation episode we did and i think in every episode you've been in since then you've mentioned it at least once <laughs> <laughs> so much i have the second there's two books in the series i have the second one literally sitting next to me i'm gonna try and finish it today i'm so excited i it's on my list it's on my list i might just buy it now yes okay that's my tangent sorry okay our next question how can i create a protagonist my readers will root for Long silence. (laughs) (laughs) I have to think about it. Well, like, I have, I know what I was trained to say by, like, every writer, like, every writing, what's it called? Like, seminar or whatever, ever Mm -hmm. that I've ever gone to is um, Mm -hmm. give them a flaw. 
But that is the single most vague thing. Yeah. And it's not really helpful because it's true. But if you don't understand what that means, that is useless to a new writer. It's like, what does that mean? What counts as a flaw? You know, I think to kind of this is almost like that a little bit. But how I try to do it is I make them like relatable and I make them like real people, which I think kind of goes with give them a flaw because like they're not perfect. Um, That's a better way to say it. Yeah. yeah but make make them be like real people. Mm-hmm. Make them relatable. Um, now with my current whip, my entire purpose is to give you like a someone deemed by society to basically be like a villain as the protagonist um, and make you love them, even though you're supposed to hate them. So... It's all about, like, making... My job is to make her, like, really, really relatable. And you're left going, like, I should not be rooting for you. But you're just, like, I can't not. I think for me, I do agree with that. Like, definitely you want to keep them relatable. And you want to make sure that they kind of face struggles and, like, issues that people have, like, faced in real life. Like, the protagonist for my story right now was, like an insanely hopeless romantic so it's really easy especially for me since I'm a hopeless romantic too it's really easy for just me and like other people who've like kind of beta read it to relate to her just because they understand kind of what she's thinking and what she's going through Uh Uh and even if you're presenting something that maybe not a lot of people have gone through like maybe your character is like really prideful and I don't know a lot of people who like openly say they struggle with pride your job is to make your reader understand that though and give them like that empathetic or sympathetic bond to it that then they be they care about your character as well so it's a learning experience maybe as well I don't know if that made sense <laughs> that makes sense to me <laughs> I had a uh, college professor once who very casually dropped some knowledge and I literally looked around the room like none of us are going to acknowledge how cool that statement was. And it was um, fiction demands discomfort in exchange for learned empathy. And like every single time I think about that, right, Jess, that face, that's the face I made (laughs) because you're like, holy crap. I'm trying to understand it. So like. The whole point is you're trying to get a lesson or a moral Mm -hmm. across to your reader. Even if, like, you're not an Aesop's fable book, you're still teaching them something. Mm -hmm. And often that's going to force your character and therefore the reader to go through a lot of emotional ups and downs. And they're going to be uncomfortable, but at the end they're going to come out caring about their character more. Mm -hmm. I get it exactly and so when she said that i was like holy crap and that i think is kind of the soul of maybe bringing it back to this question is whatever you do make your character your character and your reader are going through it at the same time so make sure both of them get something out of it it's really good actually right and no one seemed to like care that she said that and i was like guys It took me a second. I, I was like, look, it sounds, it sounds really smart. But what does it mean? No. What does it mean? <laughs> That's totally when fair, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got it when you explained it. I was just like, oh. Right. Like, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we're going to go on to questions from social media. 
This is from Athena underscore on Instagram. How should I start the first chapter of a book? That's a big question. That's a really tough question. I feel like it can... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, (laughs) it can seriously vary just, like, based on the kind of book you're writing. Like, it's very case by case. Mm -hmm. But, like, the last story I wrote, I started with a whole, like, prologue sequence that happens, like, a good 10 years before the actual story starts. But I've seen stories that, like, literally pick up in the middle of, like, a big scene or something like that. So it honestly just depends on what you plan on writing and how you plan on writing it. Yeah, I completely agree. And maybe if you don't know how to start, the safest option is to start in medias res or, like, in the middle of things. And then as you write more, you're like, oh, that doesn't fit anymore. Mm -hmm. So don't let just writing the first chapter and how do I start it intimidate you from writing more you can change it it's fine nothing matters (laughs) (laughs) it's just a draft so if you really want to you can just like put something else in the beginning or like move it to later on in the story like exactly do what you want with it (laughs) and also there's always so much prologue slander and I love that Mm -hmm. you said you write prologues because I do not accept prologue slander prologues are (laughs) if they're done well they're good there's not Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with them so Mm -hmm. I typically start in the middle of something, like, important, and then wait, and but the, I guess I like to kind of make my readers work. <laughs> so, like, I'll start in the middle of something, and you have to, like, catch up to, like, what's happening. Um, I've always seen a lot of things on, like, on, like, writergram that's, like, how not to start your book with, like, the whole, like, waking up scenes and things like that i see a lot of that but they don't actually tell you like examples mm-hmm. on how you can start just how not to start your book by i mean you're supposed to hook your reader within like the first page paragraph whatever so whatever's gonna do that that's how you start your book and if that's in the mm-hmm. middle of the things it's that's a prologue that provides foreshadowing as long as your reader stays interested you've done your job and so I okay so I'm in school for like journalism type stuff and in journalism your first sentence needs to hook the reader in because if they are not interested by the first sentence they're not going to be interested for the rest of it and in the example of this we looked at not only just like actual articles but we actually looked at books and like the first sentences of books And, like, there are some that are just normal, everyday sentences, but there's others, those, like, rare few that I find are really, really great, where it's one singular sentence that makes me go, hold on, now I'm interested. So if you can find those, if you can try those, give it a shot. But, yeah, within the first, like, page, maybe less, you want to be able to hook someone in. I'm Googling. When you said that, the first thing I thought of was um, the first sentence of The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue is a really good example of that. And I will not read it out loud. I wanted to make sure I had the right book, but it immediately, you're like, what is going on? And it's good. Yeah, I tried to, with my whip, I tried to make like the first sentence and even first paragraph make readers pause and go, hold on. 
What? Tell me more. What is actually happening here? Hold on. What? Actually, I just realized I have a confession to make. Oh, <laughs> in, okay. in Project Red, um, I have, I think I just hit 30,000 words and it's in my like first oh. draft. I did a zero draft, but now I think I'm right at like 30,000. I still really haven't written the first chapter. I know it happens. Uh-huh. I have not written it, though. I just realized that. So again, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> long as you know what happens, it doesn't matter if it's there yet or not. You're mm-hmm. fine. Exactly. Our next question is from lindsay.hall.writes on Instagram. How do you not lose motivation whilst working on a whip? Wow, that was a big word, whilst. (laughs) (laughs) How do you stay focused on the one whip? Sorry. (laughs) Big words. I don't. (laughs) Like, I have, like small like I'll be outlining something but then like have this whole other story that I'm like working on and I'll just like jump based on whatever I feel like writing that day so I'm not (laughs) and I think I mean I think that counts though because as long as you're still like working on everything some people do best when they have like a fantasy whip a sci-fi whip and a contemporary (laughs) one and depending on how they feel that day that's what they're gonna write so there's (laughs) nothing wrong with that if that works for you I so how I'm doing things currently is I have the one whip that I'm like laser focused laser focused well it's happening at, at a rate of time um but I'm like giving all my attention to this one specifically I have a bunch of others I want to work on but I'm like I need to actually work on this otherwise it's not going to get done because it's just a vicious cycle with me of starting it and then not finishing it um, but on the side, I'm working on like little short story fan fiction pieces to give my brain a break from my whip, but still writing <laughs> and not throwing myself into like a whole other bigger project. That's what I do a lot mm-hmm. of. Me That's too, what yeah. fan fiction is good for. I think the big thing is you just want to try to avoid that burnout that you have with like your one really mm-hmm. big story. And I do agree. Like writing smaller things or writing or doing other genres or something can be really helpful in just making your brain kind of focus on something else for the time being and not just laser, laser focus on the one big thing. Exactly. And also at some point you have to pick, you have to decide like, this is a story I want to pursue. This matters enough to me that I want to invest everything I have into it to eventually get it in someone else's hands you know at some point you have to make that decision as well and so that's up to you to decide is your story worth are you telling it for yourself or do you want other people to see it so wise very smart yeah <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> you feel very intelligent right now I'm I know like, yes, right yes <laughs> um our next question how do i get through the second draft of a book and this is from calliope writes on twitter i don't know never done it yeah (laughs) i've never started a first draft until my current whip i've never gotten that far so yeah don't know dominique have you ever gotten a second draft i don't do second drafts okay i will say i love drafting and editing editing is like my favorite thing because i've done all of the hard work i've got all like the 
creative bits out. Now I can like play with the story and like actually start linking, weaving things together. You know, that's the important part. So, but I also edit as I go. So maybe that's why I haven't done a sec- an official second draft. Also, for most people, do not edit as you go. Um, it's not useful. It's not helpful to most people. So do as I say, not as I do. I edit as I go, and it's really not helpful to me. It's very detrimental to my well-being, honestly. It takes a very specific kind of person, and I'm not saying that is a good thing to uh, to edit as you go. So it's okay. Don't do it most of the time. Yeah, don't. I I did it with like the first two chapters of my current whip that I wrote like what last week or whatever. And I was like, wow, this is horrible. Let me fix it all. And then I had to go, hold on. No, hold on. And I had to have like three or four people remind me, this is a first draft. Okay. I was one of those people. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) Calm down. It's okay. And I was like, what? It sucks. Yeah, no, I have no idea how to get to a second draft. Let's see if I get through a first. Yeah. Dominique, are your first drafts like really clean or no? <laughs> My, I do the same thing. I'll like edit chapters as I go, but the thing is, I'll find like big plot holes and like places, and then need to go back and like redo like parts of my outline because I was just like, oh wait, now this doesn't work with this, or this doesn't work with this, and it's very very messy. But I think you're right. It does take like a specific kind of person to edit as they go, and it's really chaotic. But like, it's how. I get stuff done. So exactly. And in the end, if you can do it and you can finish, it gets you a really clean mm-hmm. draft by the end of it. Yeah. The middle of it is messy as <laughs> utter chaos. Um, what you had said, Dominique, about like having to go back and rework your outline. Something that's helped me that I've actually done with my current whip is that. So I take the outline I have because I outline chapter by chapter and I detail it like extensively what I want to happen. And what I did was after I wrote chapter one, I went back to my outline for chapter one and I made notes of everything I changed while I was writing. Yeah. And things that I thought I might need to expand on more because like, oh, this might be like filled in a little bit more. So I know I have to come back to that either on the next draft or in another chapter. And I find mm-hmm. that is going to help me a lot down the road. So I'm like, okay. Definitely. <laughs> I yeah. That's really good advice, actually. <laughs> I also use in my first drafts and my zero drafts the elephant method a lot, which I think I've talked about before, but just in case. Um, it's as you're writing, if you cannot remember the name of a specific thing or you don't want to write the transition between them talking in front of the house to going inside the house, you just want to hop to the next scene. Just put the word elephant and then say, they go inside and then keep writing. And it's a problem for later you. But because you've put in the word elephant, you can do control F. You can search for every time you've talked about elephants in your whip and then just go through and fix everything. So that's a really good editing tool as well. I found if you edit as you go. This only works if you don't have elephants as a predominant figure in your whip. Yeah, don't do it in a bucket. <laughs> Use like clownfish or toaster. I don't care. Just replace it with hippo. Hippo! Hippo! That would work. (laughs) No, yeah, you have mentioned that before. And I've always been like, I'm going to use that. And then I haven't yet, but I'll try it. 
If, well, it's a lot more way. helpful than finding a like parent a bracket where a bracket where it's like future me fix this. It's like oh thanks great Thank I appreciate that or blah 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 stuff happens great <laughs> thank you. So I do that too, and that's a good way. It's fine. It's fine. You you'll, you'll get it. You know, future you can fix it. Don't worry about it. Future me doesn't appreciate it. <laughs> Um, our next question is from oh, notorious dot z at z underscore o underscore e on Instagram. How can you make outlining easier and more helpful for when you actually write? I outline chapter by chapter because it's just it's just it's easier for me when I sit down to like write it. I can just grab the outline for the chapter I want to write and just like follow it. However, I also write in chronological order. Like I cannot just randomly pick a chapter and write that one. I have to go in order. Um, but it really, it really helps me to be able to like look and be like, this is what I wanted to happen. And I just write it all and then I can add things in around it. This is nuts to me because I'm lucky if I have a chat if I have a book outline like if I know what's gonna happen in each chapter like the big thing that happens in this chapter but a chapter by chapter outline no where it's like this happens and this, no that's insane I'm lucky if I just know the beginning the middle and the end of a book and it's written down somewhere honestly <laughs> And then I'll, like, outline as I go and as I learn more about stuff. But, yeah, no, I I feel so stifled if I go in with, like, a outline. Because I know I'm going to change it anyways, so why spend my time on that? For well, me, at least. I find it helped me really get into, like, the story. Like, what really made me want to write the story was when I sat down and I was able to, like, craft the story i guess my outline is almost like a like a first draft except it's just like point formed of what's happening so it's kind of like a first draft of a sort except really really bad um <laughs> with a lot of weird weird rambling sentences but like i like i know that i'm gonna go into it and i'm gonna add more stuff um and i have so far with what i've written it just, like, it helps me have a focus and it gives me, like, a way to actually be able to write it. Because I can treat it almost as if each chapter is, like, an individual short story that I know what's already happening. The hard work's done for me, so I don't have to do any thinking. I just sit down and I let the story flow out of me following what I want to happen. See, that that makes a lot of sense out loud. And it sounds great. <laughs> But when I try to do it in person, it does not go well. And I'm like, I'm bored. Let's write about something else. <laughs> That's the difference, though. I need to know everything. Like, I need to, like, I'm meticulously in control. I must know everything. Like, your whole, like, just knowing beginning, middle, end, I would, it would not happen. Because, like, in my, would not I happen. also keep... Okay, so I do write a lot of stuff down when I have ideas. But a lot of it's also in my head of just... I just know things about my book that I don't need to write down because it's like, well, obviously that's what happens in chapter 16. But do I have that written down anywhere in an outline? No. But also, I forget things sometimes. So <laughs> I'm trying not to do that as much. But I wouldn't remember if I just left it in my head. Like, 
Mm-hmm. I'm the same way that Jess is like everything needs to be written out somewhere or else I'm going to absolutely forget it. And then it could be like a really, really good idea that's like pivotal to the plot. But I would completely forget it if I didn't write it somewhere. I do have a giant note in my notes app on my phone and in my whip that just has random all cap sentences of this is a great idea. I do that a lot. <laughs> so. I often get like thoughts when I'm driving about my my whip and i'm like oh my god i need to do this and listen i figured out i have an apple watch and it's very easy to just while driving just go hey siri open the voice notes app and i literally just start it and i just talk for like five minutes and then it's there so i can get home and i can listen to it and be like all right and then write it down that's awesome because i've had one too many yeah. times where i'm like okay as soon as i get home i'll write it down and then i get home and i'm like god no <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done that thing where you get an idea like while you're asleep or like right as you're about to fall asleep and you grab your phone and then you read it the next morning and you're like, I got, what does that mean? (laughs) Literally what? Oh yeah. There's been times like I have so many notes on my phone that in my little writing folder and it's like at 3am sometimes it literally is just one singular sentence of an idea and then I've added insert more plot ideas. (laughs) Like literally that's it. And I was like, thank you so much for the one sentence of help. 3 a.m. me. (laughs) I'll figure out the rest myself. Great. So fun. So yeah, we've, I guess we figured out that Dominique and I are ridiculous planners and Simone is just a whatever happens, happens. Starting out, do what Jess and Dominique do. They're telling you the right thing. Like, do that. really helpful. And then as you're writing make notes on your outline yeah yeah because then you know everything that your brain was thinking when you wrote it mm-hmm. and you don't have to go what was i thinking plotters pantsers and planters all need to take notes no one is exclusive to that you all have to write stuff down you will all forget it don't pretend you won't <laughs> <laughs> that was our last question surprise wow we were efficient i know we really got look at that (laughs) um thank you both of you for coming on to the episode i think we we had fun we only slightly derailed a little bit thank you simone Uh but it would not be the podcast without a little bit of chaos (laughs) thank you dominique for coming on it was great it was fantastic um and thank you guys again for listening and for being here Now, you may or may not have seen something about how this amazing and lovely podcast is now coming to an end. So this is, in fact, the final episode ever of the Dead Writers Talk. It has been a blast. I have enjoyed it. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, yeah, honestly... I I don't even know where else to go with that. It's been it has been I don't even know what nine ten months of this. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna have another video out for you guys with a little bit more of my thoughts on this. Um, probably tomorrow for you guys. Um, but just thank you so much for being here through it all. It's been it has been a blast. It has been fun. Um, you can go back and listen to any of the episodes at any time. They're gonna stay up for you. So if you want to go back and you want to listen to the chaos, 
of a debating popular books episode. Go for it. Do it. <laughs> It'll be there for you. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for everything, guys. It's been a blast. And uh, yeah, I'll see you in the video tomorrow and then that'll be it. But thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. Writing poetry with ink all over my hands Conversations with a friend that I wish could never end Literature's a door that opens to an endless sky So we open our eyes and write The dead writers talk